0: This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen.
1: Welcome back to episode two of AMND in Focus. If you're new here and have missed our previous episodes, we recommend that you start from the beginning in order to gain an understanding of the AMND and to make the most out of the information from this podcast series. My name is Ellen and today me and Seanine will be focusing on one of the most unique areas of AMND – their intergenerational data collection and how this can be applied in research. We will hear from our guest speaker on their use of intergenerational data from the databank and why this is so important. Our guest speaker for this
0: episode is Dr Andrea Wilner, interviewed by Dr Heather May Morgan. Dr. Wilner is a senior clinical lecturer at the University of Aberdeen Centre for Women's Health Research, as well as consultant obstetrician at Aberdeen Maternity Hospital, working both in obstetrics and also as the early pregnancy lead. Dr. Wilner has actually used the intergenerational data from AMND in her PhD research, exploring the data of mother-daughter pairs and how this may relate to the risk of stillbirth, as well as the risk of miscarriage.
1: So, we'll start off today's episode by talking about what is intergenerational data and why is this so important in Aberdeen. As we've previously spoken about, the Aberdeen Maternity and Neonatal Databank was founded in 1950 and holds data on nearly all pregnancy and fertility related events within Aberdeen. From the 1950s onwards, the AMND has collected data on over 260,000 pregnancies and deliveries to over 190,000 women. Within this data, researchers are actually able to match and group women across families and generations. This has resulted in the grouping of 40,322 mother-daughter pairs, 8,473 grandmother-mother-granddaughter trios, and 262 great-grandmothers.
0: Those are some incredible numbers. But why has this worked so well in Aberdeen? Let's hear from Dr. Wilner.
2: It's quite a a unique resource um, given its length of time it's been collecting data, but also because of the nature of Aberdeen and this being a wonderful place to live, disclosure of interest, I'm from Peterhead and have lived and studied in Aberdeen uh, most of my life, um, but people tend not to move away from Aberdeen. So um, apparently by using our data source, we've been able to see that only 3.8% of women who um, have a pregnancy record in Aberdeen actually move away. So that means this resource is really interesting from an intergenerational perspective because it means that most women who have babies here stay here, but also, actually, many of their mothers are still in Aberdeen and also many of their grandmothers are still in Aberdeen. And in future, maybe some of their children will still be in Aberdeen. So it makes it quite a unique resource for us to do what we call intergenerational work. So looking at mother's and daughter's health outcomes and comparing them and also even across three generations.
1: It's amazing that Aberdeen is able to produce such unique data sets that have a real impact on healthcare research. As we mentioned earlier, Dr. Wilner actually used data from AMND in her own PhD research. So let's hear a bit about what she did.
2: My PhD was looking at two main research questions. The first of which was, if your mother has the very sad and unfortunate outcome of a stillbirth, are you, as her daughter, more at risk of having that in your own pregnancies? You can imagine that if you had a family history of, of such uh, a a tragic um, pregnancy outcome, that you could be quite worried yourself and your own pregnancy about that. So my first research question addressed, addressed that. And what I was able to do was look at the pattern of stillbirths in mothers. And then analysed whether the daughters of those mothers had an increased risk compared to daughters whose mothers had never had stillbirth. And thankfully what I found in my research was that there did not appear to be a link between um, a mother's um, risk of stillbirth and, and the daughters. Um, and so that was a reassuring finding. The only, I guess, caveat was that we had quite a small sample because stillbirth is a relatively rare outcome. But it really opened the door, this being the first study that had looked at at this um, intergenerational risk of stillbirth. It really opens the door for more research to be done in larger populations elsewhere. And that's something I hope to work on in the future. My second research project was looking at miscarriage, So essentially the same idea. If you have a mother who's had a miscarriage or indeed recurrent miscarriages, are you more at risk of having a miscarriage yourself as her daughter? Again, I compared to women whose mothers had never had a miscarriage. And what I found this time, however, was that there did appear to be a small increased risk of miscarriage. Now, miscarriage has many different factors involved. It's not quite as simple as saying that if your mother had a miscarriage, you're more at risk. But certainly it would appear that perhaps... There may be something running in families that may put some women at slightly higher risk of of miscarriage and and recurrent miscarriage. There's a lot of other studies, laboratory and different types of work, which have looked at genetics of risk of miscarriage and whether you could inherit an an increased risk of miscarriage. And again, the work that I do is using the data bank. And so whilst it's not looking at genes or specific... um, laboratory results for women. We're looking at patterns in the population. Again, this opens the door to more research and and looking at genetics and looking at whether or not this pattern that we've seen in the data could actually um, be because of something that's running in families, whether that's, as I've mentioned, genetics or whether it's shared environments, you know, factors that are in the environment that families share. Is it lifestyle factors? We don't know but again this data is really important Um, and my study is is certainly um, partly opening us to other ideas on how we could understand what causes miscarriage and recurrent miscarriage.
0: Wow, I find it so fascinating that we're able to use data collected in Aberdeen from 1950 to gain an understanding on pregnancy risks and outcomes now and in the future, especially considering that traditionally knowledge on pregnancy and births has been passed down through families. So if someone knows that their mother had an unfortunate outcome or a complication, they'd be worried that this would happen to them too. The work from AMND really helps not only medical professionals and researchers gain an understanding on pregnancy outcomes, but they're able to pass this on to their patients and the public, which could help reduce anxieties and fears.
1: I completely agree. It's incredible to see how this data and information can actually impact people in the present. But what about the future uses of intergenerational data?
2: Going forward, we still have ongoing intergenerational projects. So I'm working on now a project looking at mother's labour outcomes, so length of labour, type of delivery, um, also things like the type of tears that they had at vaginal birth and whether or not those risks, again, if there's any pattern in the doctor. So if your mother had an emergency cesarean section, are you more likely to have an emergency cesarean section? If your mother had really long labours or didn't go into labour and was induced, are you more likely to be induced? And it sounds sort of funny, why would we want to know that as doctors? But again, it's about that knowledge and about understanding why these outcomes happen and why perhaps adverse outcomes happen in labour and what we might be able to do to counteract that and, and help. But also, I think it's about understanding. I think it's about women mm-hmm. um, having that information. So, for example, we often hear anecdotally, oh, my mother had C-sections for all of her for her babies. So I'm, I'm going to have to have cesarean sections. So, again, you know, who knows? We'll find out soon from my project what the answer <laughs> will be. But, you know, it might be that that's not actually the case, that you're at no higher risk of cesarean section just because your mother had one. Um, or, or, indeed, it might confirm that suspicion. So all of these things actually have huge, huge um, implications for, for women, um, even from a knowledge point of view, just knowing um, these risks or, or, or these um, predictive factors are there.
0: The research possibilities and learning opportunities from AMND's intergenerational data are amazing and we hope that this helps people realise the importance of AMND. We'll now actually hear from Dr Wilner explaining how such research works and how researchers request access to data from AMND.
2: Absolutely, there's a process. So there's a process whereby we have to apply to use the MND data um, and that's all governed by a steering committee um, and approval is granted for projects. Now that can take periods of months um, and then there's a period of time where you have to request request what data you require. So as I've mentioned, um, a lot of my work more recently has involved these intergenerational projects. So um, it's really important that the data bank matches um, mothers and daughters to give me the type of data I'm looking for. So that takes a period of months usually. And then once you have the data, um, myself and also those working in um, the team on this research project then have access and start to analyse and it all has to be agreed beforehand for what we're going to do with the data. It's all heavily um, restricted in terms of what you know, we're going to do, what questions we're asking, what statistical analysis we're going to do.
1: It's reassuring to hear the processes that researchers have to go through to access data and how the steering committee of AMND protects this data as well. Dr. Woolner also highlights a very important note that while researchers are able to use AMND to suggest a relationship between risks and complications, it doesn't actually give us a final answer.
2: Whilst many of the work that we do, including the intergenerational work, is not confirmatory, so it doesn't prove something. It doesn't prove that smoking causes this, that or the other. It doesn't prove that if your mother has something, you will have something. Absolutely not. But what it does is gives us an idea that that might be part of the, the pathology of a condition and that's really why this type of work is key to our understanding of, of pregnancy outcomes.
0: We hope that you have found this episode and its focus on intergenerational data as interesting as we have. It's incredible to learn that due to the unique population trends of Aberdeen that AMND has been able to group data across families spanning generations which has provided an invaluable insight into how genetic factors can influence pregnancy outcomes. The work that Dr. Wilner has told us about is fascinating and we can't wait to hear about how this will update and influence understandings of pregnancy and fertility worldwide.
1: Thank you for joining us for the second episode of AMND in Focus. We would also like to thank Dr. Andrea Woolner and Dr. Heather May Morgan for providing the interview content. Join us in our next episode where Grace and Seanine current medical students at the University of Aberdeen will tell us about how the work and research that AMND does influences the day-to-day clinical practices within the Aberdeen Maternity Hospital.
0: This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen.